So this morning we have the pleasure of listening to Kristen Lafreniere. She's a 2013 graduate of LCU, where she graduated top of her class with a humanities degree, three minors, and two specializations. She was also LCU's first ever student commencement speaker. Kristen owns and operates a law firm here in Lubbock and practices with her husband, David, in business and estate and probate law. She is also an adjunct, um, adjunct business law professor over in the business department. Please welcome Kristen Lafanier. Well, good morning. Um, I didn't think they were going to hand this to me at 11.03, which means I have like 27 minutes to have you guys. No, I'm just kidding. We'll let you go a little bit early. Um, thank you, Lisa. It is um, amazing to be back in front of y'all, not just here in chapel, um, not just here speaking to my class, but during homecoming week. It's such a special week for us. Um, can't wait to go to Master Folly's dress rehearsal tomorrow, and I know y'all are working really hard, um, and especially those of you in club are probably very tired right now. So I just kind of want to give y'all a couple of thoughts to think about and just have you go out into this week and through the rest of the semester going strong thinking about some of these things. So as Lisa said, I'm a lawyer. Um, this is my 10-year reunion, which is a little bit crazy to think about. I finally get to go to the decades dinner during homecoming, which really just means that I'm old. Um, but one of the things that I do, I, I don't do criminal law in, in my practice. My husband's out in the audience, I think, taking a picture of me right now. But he used to be a prosecutor, and he knows a little bit about criminal law. But right now we do civil law, which is kind of the other side. We deal with businesses and estate planning and wills and trials and things like that. But whether we're talking about criminal law or civil law, one of the biggest things lawyers have to learn in pre-law and in law school and beyond is the meaning of the word intent and what, how we deal with intent. In criminal law, that means did they, the person have the right intent to commit a crime so that we should punish them either with fines or going to jail. And that's a key, key part of when people have to go to trial on criminal issues. But I have to deal with intent too. I have to deal with when somebody's writing a will, is, are, is the will that I'm writing what they actually intend to do with their property? Or if they sign a contract, is everybody on the same page? Do they all have the intent to buy this thing at the right price? And so I still have to think about what my clients and what the other side's clients are meaning to do. And that's really the, the meaning of the word intent is a purposeful or knowing action. Again, whether you're talking about criminal or civil, and more importantly, whether you're talking about our biblical and Christian life as well. Are we working in a purposeful and knowing way in how we walk? Because it's very clear we have a purposeful God. The word and the scripture is full of ways where God intentionally does something. From the very first verse of the Bible through the end, how he created creation and did it purposefully. It wasn't just an accident. It wasn't just something that he thought of and just decided, oh, I think I'll do that today. That's obviously not how he works. And even when we look through the word at the way that he embedded prophecies about his son and how the Messiah was going to come, that was very purposeful in a way that his people could look back at it and realize that Christ fulfilled all of those prophecies. So we have that as a guidance when we're working as Christians and whether we're students or professors or career professionals or alums or retired alums or everybody in between, we're called to live purposeful lives as well. 
Romans 8.28 tells us that we've been called according to God's purpose. It's something that he has a plan for our lives. And again, the psalmist says this, Jeremiah says this, that even from before the time we were born, God had a purpose in our life and what it was that he wanted us to do, and he had a plan for us. So I want you to think about three things when you think about what it means to live an intentional life. And before I hit those three things, I just want to say it's really important. I mentioned Romans 8 a minute ago. It's important to know that we're intentional doesn't mean perfect, right? We're not going to hit perfect this side of heaven, and that's okay. In fact, that's kind of the purpose, too. If you look at the rest of Romans 8, we see how Jesus and God are in the Holy Spirit are advocates for us when we inevitably fail to hit this mark. That's not only okay, but that's their purpose, is to be there with us along the way. So I want you to be clear, if you're the kind of person like me who hears people get up here and talk about, here's how to be the best Christian, you immediately start thinking about all of the ways that you don't always hit that in your head. So I just want you to remember that the Bible, and particularly the New Testament, are very clear. That's not the point. That's not what I'm trying to get across today, and that's not what Paul was getting across in Romans or Ephesians or Colossians or any of the other verses I'll mention today. The point isn't to be perfect. It's to be purposeful. So when we look at nature, anyone over in the science department, I see my science buddies over over on the right here, they'll tell you that things like the Fibonacci sequence are seen throughout nature, right? This thing that scientists really can't explain how we have the golden ratio in everything from the number of seeds in a sunflower to the number of swirls in a nautilus shell, for some reason, somehow, those are something that can be measured in a really purposeful way. And Paul, in particular, like I said, in Ephesians and Colossians, really lays this out for us in a couple of key ways. First, he says that whatever we do, we're to do purposefully. So in Colossians 3.23, we're told to work heartily as for God and not for man. So that tells us how we're supposed to work and what we're supposed to do. And again, that doesn't matter. Right now, your job as students is to work really hard at your studies and to work diligently in a way that's appropriate for your studies. And when you're in my position or my husband's position or so many of our other alums, our job, um, at least part of our job, is to work well at our career or at our stay-at-home parent or whatever it is that we're doing, we're supposed to be doing it diligently and purposefully. And that's the purpose in how we do that is to be diligent. That's the what you do, the action. But then Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 tells us to be careful how we walk. Don't be unwise, but be wise in the use of our time. And that tells us how we're supposed to do it. The how of how to not just be diligent, but to do it in a wise way, in a purposeful way, to be careful of how we use our time. And that really ties in with the third way, a a verse that you definitely know and have probably memorized, Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, and praiseworthy, think on these things. And that's another way Paul tells us how we're supposed to live the purposeful life. It's not, again, that you always have to be super spiritual and you can only listen to Christian songs and you can only watch Christian TV or no TV at all. Not the point. But the point is, whatever it is that we're doing and we're thinking about, if we put ourselves in the mindset and the framework of, is this glorifying to God? Am I doing something that's not glorifying to God, in which case we can pull back from that? Or are we just being not purposeful and and not cautious with our words or our deeds or our actions or even our thoughts that nobody else knows is happening, but we know is happening in our hearts and in our minds? So Paul tells us no matter what we're doing or how we're doing it or why we're doing it, we're supposed to do it purposefully. 
And here's your little Valentine's Day in for that. That's even clear from probably the first verse you ever learned as a kid, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That was the strongest and most important purpose of why we do what we do, why we live like we live, why we do what we do here in chapel and at LCU and beyond, even as we look at homecoming week. God loved us so that he could deliver us to himself and we could live with him again forever. So my challenge to you, not just today, not just in your studies or as we head towards Master Follies or spring break or the end of the semester, is to give a little bit of thought about what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it, and how you're thinking about it. Not in a way that makes you try to be perfect, not in a way that makes you self-righteous over other people, but in a way that purposefully, knowingly, and intentionally draws you close to God. Thank you. You're dismissed.